You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mic check. One, two, three. One, two, three. Maze, I mean, it looks like power is working on your end. Yep. I got juice. Got power. Got light. Got sound. Mm. It's all happening here. Got AC. Got the heat in the finals. How about that? It's crazy. I mean, of all moments to lose power at the Metal Arc Media headquarters at the Lebetard Show new studio. Yeah. Wait, the lights just went out on your show. Oh, they my God. Yeah. Haters. What happened? Haters. <laughs> Bring back our hate. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry that the power has gone down here. I can still hear you, though, Dan. I can still hear you. You never look better. I love it. Yeah. Anybody got any matches? Yeah. How about a candle? You guys ever think about how convenient it is that Dan and the show moved to a new studio that just happens to be across the street from the Caseya Center, and the heat go on this crazy run to the finals, but more importantly... Deeper than that, that the Heat were up 3-0 in this series with a chance to close out at home twice, having not lost a home game all throughout these playoffs, would all of a sudden falter and take us to a Game 7, which was predicted, requested, by none other than Dan Lebetard. I'm afraid of the boss media. I'm not afraid of what's happening in this, in this series. All I'm telling you is that what is headed this way if they lose game six, to me, is the most fun thing that there is. He said it. He said it. They were up <laughs> in the series. series is over. Dan Levitar sits here and says from his ivory tower across the street from the Kaseya Center, let there be seven. Dan Levitar doesn't write articles anymore. He just writes scripts. Yeah. Someone needs to tell them that they're on strike. WGA. <laughs> Instead of saying, let there be light, he says, let there be dark. <laughs> During a Dan Patrick interview, mm -hmm. he suddenly has no power around him. How convenient. Interesting. It's a great way to dispel suspicions, right? Say, I don't have any power, both literally and figuratively. But we're on to you, Dan. We see how it goes. Look, what better publicity can you get than being across the street from a team going to the finals and then having a power outage in the middle of an interview on another national show with a huge following. That's right, Dan Patrick. I see you over there. You, Fritzy, and, and Marvin Prince. You're all in on it. You're connecting dots here. 
wait a minute. Wait a minute. Has anyone seen Greg Popovich recently? No. You know, the Spurs get the number one pick for Victor Wembanyama. No one has seen Greg Popovich. Mm -hmm. Totally off the grid. You ever go to Disneyland and go behind a gate or an area that wasn't meant for park patrons and see some shit that you're not supposed to see? Mm. I've been there where, like, you know how they have those parades that'll come every, like, 20 minutes or whatever. And I've seen the parade people start to get ready behind the curtain there before they actually go through the parade. I'm going to tell you all this, man. What we saw from Dan with the power going out, that was the parade before the parade, man. We saw some shit that we were not meant to see, which is what's going to happen when the final shift to the Kaseya Center. A little trick that the Heat had run on them a decade ago. Oh, no. Time to return the favor. The AC unit game. AC unit game from the 2014 NBA Finals. An episode of Basketball Illuminati that we did, that we got great intel and detail in. I strongly urge everybody to go back in the archives and listen to that episode. Because I think Dan and the boys might have a little something up their sleeve that, let's just say, wouldn't hurt ratings, huh? We got to be careful, I mean, because we don't want a power outage on this show right here. Oh, they can't extinguish the illumination. They can't silence us. Our light is powered by the third eyes of a community of listeners who will never be silenced, never be extinguished. My assignment, uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illuminati generals, Amin El-Hassan and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination. The NBA Finals are set. We've got some news breaking. Uh, Bob Myers is stepping away, stepping down mm -hmm. from his post. It's just time. Bob Myers is doing a Craig David. Said, I'm walking away. Walking away. I'm walking away. All right, so he's walking away. Troubles in my life. From his post as the Golden State Warriors executive. And there's a lot of coded language here. A lot of weird signs. We're going to decrypt all of that in a little code breaker segment. We're also going to talk about this big story in the NBA. Alleged referee Eric Lewis burner account 
we track down the whistleblower. The person who discovered this burner is going to join Basketball Illuminati, a truth teller later in the program. What's his name? That I don't know. I'm hoping to seek that information. <laughs> he seems to be an anonymous, uh, shadowy figure. Maybe he's in on it, this whole thing. We'll find out. Shadowy figure from the underworld. I like it. <laughs> it's the cousin Greg of the Eric Lewis family, trading information to get on Basketball Illuminati. Jesus and his disciples. Amen. Judas is here. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Oh, man. Oh, my God, Tom. Tonight is the night. Understand, Mr. Snippy Snip? It's like two days later. I still haven't watched the finale. All right, we'll talk about all that, but first. You are listening to The Agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. Wow. So we get this epic game seven from Boston, Miami. The Heat are moving on to the NBA finals. No one's giving the Heat their credit that they deserve. It's all about dancing on the grave of the Celtics. Do you get that sense too? It just feels like it's more fun to laugh at Jalen Brown's eight turnovers and Jason Tatum's hurt ankle and, and use that as a reason why this is a story rather than pointing to Caleb Martin freaking turning into Kevin Durant. Should have been conference finals MVP in my book, but I don't know why we're giving the heat credit. We just discussed in the cold open. They had a little help mm -hmm. from across the street. The inside men pulling the strings. Everyone thinks the Godfather is Pat Riley, but the answer is really Dan Levitard. It's clear, Tom, that the NBA world would rather crap on the Celtics it's more fun to destroy the Boston fan base, destroy the Boston media conglomerate that's so prevalent. The look on Bill Simmons' face, which has been compared to the look on Kendall Roy's face. Hey, yeah. I haven't seen it. Can you please stop? The look on Kendall Roy's face at many times. No, During stop. the run of succession. Stop. Anytime in succession where Kendall Roy doesn't get what he wanted. Yeah. He looks like that, Tom. It's true. That day's look. It's true. The thing that I'm struck by is this could have been done a long time ago. A sweep. I was chimney, chim, chimneying it into non-existence. Yeah. That was my fault. I accept blame for that. The Miami Heat winning this series means a lot of shifting things are going to happen, right? First and foremost, what's going to happen with the Boston Celtics? Yeah. You say, Tom, why are we focused on the Celtics? Because the Celtics had more at stake. If the Heat had lost that game, it's embarrassing. It's heartbreaking. It's something that sticks with you forever. But the reality is, Eric Spolster's not going anywhere. Pat Riley's probably not going anywhere. Jimmy Butler's not going anywhere. Right. Caleb Martin's under contract. I mean, not much would have changed. But for Boston, this was a massive failure, even though they came back and made it a seven-game series. And so there are real-life questions about Joe Mazzulla's job security, about Jalen Brown's status as a Celtic moving forward. Mm. And I think those things come to play and are questions that need to be answered. I think it was a sign that this wasn't going well when A-Rod and Derek Jeter were considered good luck charms for the Boston Celtics. Jesus, yeah. How desperate do you have to be to start rooting for the Yankees if you're a Boston fan? Yeah. We need A-Rod and Jeter to be present for our games in order for us to conjure up the magic of the 2004 ALCS down 0-3 
to win. And, and as someone who was there for game three of that series in the ALCS, the third loss, never thought that the Red Sox could come back. It was as sad and depressed as a fan I've ever been. And to ever root for Derek Jeter and A-Rod to be part of something as a Boston Celtics fan, I just think that's reprehensible. I thought you would see a lot more Red Sox guys in attendance in the arena for game seven. And they weren't there. And I think because they knew this locker room, this team, it's not the band of idiots that won it in 2004. No, Tom, it's because the writers strike. They couldn't finish the screenplay for Fever Pitch 2. (laughs) Electric Boogaloo. It was stuck in development when the strike started and just wasn't meant to be. This was an extremely historic series. Second eight seed to ever make the finals. First in a full season. We were on the verge of the first team to come back from a 3-0 deficit. That's only even happened to get to game seven three other times. The Derek White buzzer beater will be wiped away forever. No one will remember that ever again because they lost the series. It's a conglomeration of moments of unlikeliness that only could have been dreamt up by one media head honcho in South Beach. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering when Jimmy Butler predicted this last year that we'll be back here and we'll win next year in the same exact situation. Was Dan behind that too? Well, that game seven was in Miami. I was there, but... Again, the studio was across the bridge. It's over in South Beach. It's a lot harder to make all these things happen. I tend to believe that this script was in the works for quite a while. And it certainly didn't come from Lake Shoyo, as we discussed last week. No, the man without a printer. <laughs> I got a text message from Mike Sure. Hey, can you do me a favor? Radio head to the Nuggets that Miami sometimes plays a zone. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the Celtics did not figure out the zone at all. Never. It's not like the Heat. I had never played zone before this postseason. Other text from Mike Sure. This is from during game seven. Can you do me a favor and call one of your old AAU coaches and have him explain the Celtics how to beat a zone defense? Maybe just remind Tatum that the answer is not to dribble into the paint when there's four guys collapsing. Maybe remind some of the wings to cut to the basket. Maybe remind them what flash means. Maybe hint to the ball handlers that when the zone collapses, the three guys open on the perimeter. Just stuff like that. It would really be good for my heart and mental health if someone did that. For Mike Schur's heart and mental health. Tough time for Mike Schur. In the postseason against man-to-man defense, the Boston Celtics, according to Synergy, had a 107 offensive rating and against the zone, 86. Whoa, my God. 107 to 86 in the half court. Yeah, they shot 37% against the zone. Is there a more accurate over-exaggeration than Jalen Brown can't dribble. It's like Derek Zoolander trying to go left. Is there any player Achilles heel that has appeared in more crystal clear high definition than his inability to put the ball on the floor in game seven? At one point in the fourth quarter, he had more turnovers in game seven than the entire Miami Heat team. Impressive. Look, he has a wrist injury that very conveniently absolves him of any sort of blame here. Jason Tatum turned his ankle on the first play and was largely immobile because of that, which raises the question if he couldn't play defense and couldn't score and couldn't move, is it more brave and courageous to play through that and lose or to let someone else play in your place because you can't move and you're going to be targeted by Jimmy Butler every time down the floor? Hmm. That's my point. 
if you know you can't move, then you shouldn't play. Just go back to the locker room, get treatment, and then that's it. I know it's game seven, but you're probably hurting your team by not being able to move. You're a traffic cone. So Jalen Brown, wrist injury. Then there's Malcolm Brogdon with the forearm injury. A lot of injuries on the Boston Celtics side. And meanwhile, Tyler Hero has not played this entire series. Yeah, he hasn't played since game one of the playoffs uh, against Milwaukee. So <laughs> yeah, any sort of... They had bad injury luck. The Miami Heat team is like the knight from Monty Python. Yes. His butt a scratch. Yes, absolutely. They're hopping on one leg because Jimmy Butler has an ankle injury. Caleb Martin, I believe, has a fracture in his back. Victor Oladipo. Duncan Robinson has a ruptured confidence also. He's playing. He has a hearing problem you saw in game seven. Oh, my God. When that mother is talking <laughs> shit. I was like, the nerve, the nerve. Yo, he's burning dudes off the dribble left and right this series. Duncan Robinson. This guy was buried on the heat bench in the doghouse for either not playing defense, for losing confidence as a shooter, and then becomes basically Kyrie Irving. He had one (laughs) of the 10 worst contracts in the league earlier this year. I feel like he's reclaim some of that value with this playoff run. And I don't know if other teams are interested in him in terms of a potential trade or anything like that, but he's certainly no longer burning money as he once was. Caleb Martin. Good God. John Schumann, our guy at NBA.com did a breakdown of Caleb Martin's one-on-one moves in game seven and just how ridiculous his bag was. All I kept saying was like, that's KD. That looks like Kevin Durant. Like the moves he was pulling, shooting over the top of people, spin moves, fadeaways, mid-range game. The buzzer beater uh, he hit at the end of the third. Whoa. And now I sound whoa. like Doc Rivers all of a sudden. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Stu Gatz. Jesus. Caleb Martin was on the, the Hornets two years ago and got waived yep. so that they could bring in Kelly Oubre, who's been like, okay, but he's not that. He also costs twice as much. That's the other thing to remember about Kelly Oubre. Did you see the story of how Kayla Martin got to the heat? I didn't see the story, Tom. I was... Part of it? Not part of it, but I, I was getting blow-by-blow updates as it was happening. J. Cole apparently was instrumental in making sure that Karam Butler knew about Kayla Martin. So Cole has a practice facility at his house. And so a lot of the pros who are from the North Carolina Triangle, Golden Triangle area when they come home or when in their off seasons or whatever, or if they're retired like David West, they come and they do pickup runs there. They play ball there. One of the guys who plays there, but also organizes these pickup runs is this trainer named Omar played at university of new Orleans. He was on that team with Bo McCaleb, if you remember him. Mm -hmm. So Omar trained TJ Warren and trained the twins and trained Cole when Cole was you know, trying to make his basketball dreams come true. And so the Martin twins would come and play, pick up, and work out at this facility. And so Cole said, Caleb got waived. What's the market out there for him? And he's like, yeah, I got nothing. And so he reached out to Karan Butler, who is a friend, former Miami Heat player, former UConn great, and a current Miami Heat assistant coach. He he told him, hey, there's this kid. I, I think you guys should give him a look. Because at this point, it's late summer, so it's not like come join a summer league team or anything like that. So they invited him to come in and play in informals. Now, in the NBA, in the summertime, there's this concept of informal pickup runs. Teams aren't allowed to organize anything. 
All they can do is just make the facility available and then like make sure they have balls and Gatorade and stuff like that. But you can't run practices or anything like that. So Caleb played in these pickup runs and he impressed. He impressed Karan and Karan went to Spo and said, I really think we should give this guy a try. And they gave him, I want to say, a non-guaranteed minimum. Went to camp and he wowed and got to the season and he was in the rotation and the rest is history. Yeah, he got a two-way contract that would allow the Heat to retain his rights and he could go play for the G League squad. And then like flash forward to two years later, he's starting a game seven. An MVP in my book. Yeah. MVP of that series that involved Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And who was that last name? It was Adebayo. Bam. I know an Adebayo. His name's Idris though. Is that, is that oh, yeah. the same guy? But anyways, yes, you're absolutely right. It's, it's quite the fairy tale story. And Cole deserves a lot of credit for fighting for and campaigning for Caleb the way he did. But I think kind of lost in the story is you, Omar, Omar Kanani. Oh, okay. Who not only, you know, works with the twins and as I said, works with a bunch of players across the league, but really helped Caleb develop his game and find who he was as an NBA player, which as you guys know, such an important part for players like that players who might be on the fringe but could be rotation caliber. A lot of it is just figuring out, hey, what is my identity here? What can I hang my hat on to get in? And then once I'm in, how can I grow my role within that? And and Caleb did that. And I think Omar deserves a lot of credit for being instrumental in that. Are we allowed to talk about how he was undrafted? Because now it's become taboo to mention how these guys were not drafted in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think Spo's tripping a little bit there. Max Struess was weighed by the Boston Celtics. Gabe Vincent was a G League guy who made a name for himself lighting up Team USA. Haywood Highsmith, who was a D2 basketball player at Wheeling University. And dealing? And is now playing important minutes and stealing Jason Tatum's cookies in a game seven. Dude, I mean, that was an <laughs> incredible play from any player, let alone an undrafted rookie. The reality is this is testament to the Miami Heat, not only scouting department, but their player development department. Because Max Drews, if you look at his numbers in the G League, if you look at his numbers in college, he's a streaky shooter. We, I don't think any of us would call him a lights out shooter. It's not like finding Duncan Robinson, right? Who was a shooter throughout his career in college and in the G League level. Like Max Drews developed into a three-point shooter. Gabe Vincent developed into an off-the-dribble kind of attacking guy. Caleb Martin has developed past the 3 and D guy into, as you said, a Kevin Durant shot-making type player in a conference finals. Those guys got better. And I think when people bring up that they were undrafted, they should never be taken as a this. should be taken as a compliment, not only to the power of player development, but also the power of giving people chances, even though they don't come in with all the fancy resumes. Right. There's Karan Butler, assistant coach for the Heat. Eric Glass, player development guy for the Heat. E. Glass, my guy. Great dude. Hey, you know, E. Glass is my, my roommate at Summer League like 11 years ago or something like that. No way. Yeah, man. A hell of a summer, man. So that's I go way back with him. Then there's Quinny, Chris Quinn. Yeah. The heir apparent. Yeah, who's, who's now interviewing for head coaching gigs. It's not a slight to say that they were undrafted. I think, like you said, it's a testament to 
Adam Simon, Andy Ellisberg, Chet Kammer, the whole front office for scouting these guys, finding these diamonds in the rough and developing them. Keep in mind, Josh Richardson was traded for Jimmy Butler, and that was a nobody in the league until the Miami Heat got him in the second round and then developed him into a player that would be seen as a equitable return in a Jimmy Butler trade. And I know people are saying, Hey, how did the Minnesota Timberwolves only get Robert Covington and Dario Sarge for Jimmy Butler, but the Philadelphia 76ers got Josh Richardson. Yeah, that's it. Another important thing to point out here while we're at it on that heat staff, you mentioned Karan Butler, who was a lottery pick and a highly touted prospect, but also on that staff, Chris Quinn, former player undrafted, Malik Allen, former player, undrafted. Anthony Carter, former player, undrafted. So it speaks to the ethos of this team. And let's not forget the OG himself, who is going to get his jersey retired without going to of him. Perhaps the greatest undrafted player, what, like Ben Wallace right there? Of all the best players not drafted, Udonis Haslam's got to be up on that list. I'm sure he is. But more importantly, of all the undrafted players, who exemplify what heat culture is about. UD is that guy. So when people talk about that and point that out, it's because Miami goes above and beyond and has historically done this. There are other names. Joel Anthony, Birdman, guys are undrafted. And you look at guys who were second-round picks slash kind of discarded by the league, Ike Austin and Bashan Leonard. This is the legacy of the Miami Heat. They get the most out of the least, more than any other franchise in the history of this league. And Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, Max Drews, and Duncan Robinson, it's not like a charity case when we bring up that they were undrafted. Rather, it is a continuing triumph of this organization to locate talent and develop it wherever it may be. I think it plays to their advantage in two ways. One is, I think if you bring in guys who are hungry, who aren't coming in with an ego of like, I was a lottery pick. I deserve X, Y, and Z. They're not entitled. They will listen. And as Spo continues to harp in these post-game press conferences is that they take criticism. They understand that they are trying to get somewhere in their careers and they want to accept any sort of feedback, tough love, whatever it is, the heat are giving out. They're more receptive to that because I think other guys who come into the league as heralded top prospects or number one five-star recruits, they're not used to that. They're not used to being told what to do. And so I think there's a matter of finding these talented players who are hungry, who are willing to do the dirty work. There's this other thing, which is if you have a trade asset that other people value, first round picks, but you yourself can find first round value or lottery value in the second round. I mean, Maze, that's a huge competitive advantage. If you can get players using those picks as assets, like sending away those first round picks in trades to get actual players, because you can find Tyler Johnson, you can find Rodney Magruder, all these players off the scrap heap who can become rotation players and contributors to playoff teams. Mm -hmm. And of all places to do this in Miami, it seems so counterintuitive that the hardest working lunch pail blue collar team in the NBA is in Miami. You can get lost in Miami so quickly. It also speaks to the organization that they're able to get this kind of culture in those confines, in that environment. Should we talk about the team they're playing at all? 
Have we all forgotten about the Denver Nuggets because they haven't played in 10 days? <laughs> they don't want us to talk about them. Tom, let me just ask you real quickly, as the champion of taking care of players' bodies, giving them adequate time to recover, how much time is too much time? Is 10 days off too much inactivity? It's an age-old debate in the NBA, rest versus rust. And I think... For the Nuggets, it's different, Maze, because there's this other variable, which is the altitude in Denver. The Heat are not just coming off a game seven where they're going to celebrate in Boston and have to fly to Denver overnight and land with about 36 hours to prepare for the NBA finals. It's altitude, man. We haven't seen this before. I mean, in the NBA finals where altitude is going to play such a pivotal role. And I got to believe if Dan Lebitard didn't rig this for the Miami Heat, Mm -hmm. And if this was over in four games, the Eastern Conference Finals, this wouldn't be as much of a story. But the Miami Heat are going to start this NBA Finals with basically 24 hours to prepare for a team that has been waiting for them in the Rockies. They could have had a whole week to prepare for this, is what you're saying. They could have had a whole week training at altitude. They could have had a whole week game planning for the Denver Nuggets instead because of Dan. It reminds me when Birdman, <laughs> Chris Anderson joined the Miami Heat a few years back mid-season and people were like, how are you so well conditioned? Like you, you haven't played in like a year and a half. How is that possible? What, what was your training regimen like? He's like, I walked out my house in Denver and then I ran up a mountain every day. <laughs> and that was it. That was it. Like, oh yeah, the guy who runs up mountains is ready to play 20 minutes a game. No problem. Another guy undrafted. Now the Heat didn't develop Birdman, but another guy who just fit in right away with the Heat culture. So I feel like Mike Malone is going to be very upset with our podcast because we're talking about the Boston Celtics. We're talking about the Miami Heat and who's been in the NBA finals this whole time. And we're not talking about them. There's another reason we haven't been talking about the Nuggets this whole time. And that's because of a cryptic cliffhanger statement from one LeBron James entering a summer of uncertainty. And there's another person who's uncertain about their future. And that's Bob Myers. You know what? It's just time. Time to break the code. Now it's time for any secret message for you members of the secret circle. Remember kids, only members of any secret circle can decode any secret message. You can break the code. Maybe I take a shot at it, maybe I break it. I'm real happy with myself because I did my job well. There's only one hacker in the world who can break this code. Super string theory, chaos math, advanced algorithms. Code breaking. Strange, the code is somehow different. It's like solving a Rubik's Cube that's fighting back. Whoop-de-doo! What does it all mean, Basil? When people talk to each other, they never say what they mean, they say something else. And you're expected to just know what they mean. Break the code. You are. It's simply the best natural code breaker I've ever seen. I mean, I know you're excited about this. The graphic is back in its entirety. 
We've got the ticker breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. Yeah. We've got the big graphic breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski at Woj ESPN. Uh-huh. Breaking. There it is. Golden State's Bob Myers, a two-time executive of the year and architect of four NBA championships, is stepping down as the franchise's president and general manager. He told ESPN on Tuesday, it's just time, Myers said. Wait, what's the rest of that quote? Oh, that's it. There's a comma, actually. It's just time, comma, but nothing follows the comma. Wait, that's the statement? The statement from Bob Myers is, it's just time? Yep. Just time? Did you need more? Yeah. I kind of feel like that's a non-answer. It's a non-explanation. It's just time? It's time. I guess it's unassailable. You can't You can't disagree with it. It's just time. I mean, that is the ultimate decider. It's it, time itself. It's the oldest thing we got. You can't disagree with time. So wait, this news broke at uh, what? 10 o'clock Pacific, one o'clock Eastern. And then there's a press conference scheduled later in the day, which Bob will explain more in detail. About why it's just time. It was originally scheduled for 3 p.m. Eastern. Then they moved it back to 4 p.m. Why would they do that? Now, why? Why would they do that? Get your windy fingers up, boys. Get them out, get them out. Why would they do that? Why would something... Schedule at 3 p.m. Eastern, get moved to 4 p.m. Eastern. Hmm. Is there anything else happening at 3 p.m. Eastern? That is the main question. There are no games on. We know that. Combine already happened. So did the draft lottery. Draft's not here yet. Um, I'm at a loss, guys. What does happen at 3 p.m. Eastern? Well, it's kind of like a, a dead time in the scheduling program, right? Because we know that the NBA Conference Finals is going to end on Monday the 29th. So Tuesday's an empty day on the media calendar. They got to fill content on the daytime show. What's it called? Uh, NBA Today. NBA Today. Mm. NBA Today. NBA Today. NBA Today. So it's just time for NBA Today. There you go. Maybe that's it. Wait, when does NBA Today air? 3 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to get caught up in the weeds here as far as what time is time. <laughs> just time. When is time is time. I want to focus on Bob Myers and his decision to walk out on the job a month in advance. I don't, this is, it's just time maze. There's nothing to argue about. It's just time. Is this a quitting before you can get fired situation? Is that what's happening here? This is like Donald Trump and Steph Curry and LeBron when LeBron called Donald Trump a bum. Yeah. Cause you can't rescind an invite that has been rejected already. Right. No, it's funny because when I heard this news, I said, huh, that sounds familiar. Why? I mean, did it happen to someone you know well? Yeah, you know, as luck would have it. And Maze, if you could put the sound there. We're going back in time mm. to 2010. Ooh, what a time. When Drake, Rick Ross, and French Montana pop that rang throughout all the universe. As the song of the summer, the Phoenix Suns had just been bounced in the conference finals to the Los Angeles Lakers, who were the eventual champions. And in the exit interview, Steve Kerr told the press and told all of us, I don't see why we wouldn't all be back next year. Wait, but what, what was Steve Kerr doing at that point? What was his job? He was on TNT, right, at that point? No, no, this is oh. post-TNT. He was the general manager and president of basketball operations for the Phoenix Suns. Oh. And so he says, I don't see why we wouldn't bring everyone back. And within 48 to 72 hours of saying that, 
he announced, I am resigning effective June 30th, the last day of my contract. I will stay on for the draft, but that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And the very next day, David Griffin, who was the assistant GM, would go on to become the GM of the Cavs when they won the championship and is now currently the chief basketball decision maker for the New Orleans Pelicans. David Griffin, who would have been the heir apparent, announced similarly, I too am resigning and walking away. And the young Amin Al-Hassan is licking his chops and <laughs> rubbing his hands together. No, left in the lurch. The assistant director, no. the player personnel. <laughs> the assistant director knew that this is an oh shit moment <laughs> because of what was happening. Just time. It's just time. <laughs> it's just time, exactly. So here's the thing. Kerr and Griff both resigned. Well, Kerr resigned because Robert Sarver, the then owner of the Phoenix Suns, had not only lowballed Steve in his offer, but also reneged on a promise he had made to take care of the coaching staff through the lockout. And for Steve, it's bad enough to be disrespected in how you're valued, but it's even worse when you make him break his word. As a result, he said, I'm gone. For David Griffin, his response was, if you won't listen to Steve Kerr, he damn sure ain't gonna listen to me. And so he was gone. So we fast forward to Joe Lacob. And this negotiation with Bob Myers has been ongoing. We've known about this. We've talked about it on the show. They've been discussing a new deal for him, and the discussions haven't gone great. And I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the first red flag that they weren't going great was Bob Myers started a podcast in the middle of the goddamn season. I got to give a shout out to Sam Esfendiari from the Light Years podcast, who tweeted out a while ago that between January 23rd and February 8th, Rob Palinka acquired Rhi Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and D'Angelo Russell remaking the Lakers roster. And between those same dates, Bob Myers published four episodes of his podcast, Lead by Example. <laughs> so we already had hints that he wasn't feeling respected financially in the offers and probably had had enough of working for an owner that he felt maybe was a little bit onerous. Well, wait, hold on. I mean, in the Woj article, it says that Bob Myers declined offers on a new deal that would have paid him among the league's top earning executives. Among the league's top? Among. Hmm. Among. Oh. They have a endless amount of revenue coming in from Chase Center. And the wealthiest revenue stream on the Western coast. And they now are saying, hey, Bob Myers, we're going to make you among, among the highest paid executives in the league. Ah, I don't know if that sits well. Now, this is where we ratchet it up a notch, right? Because as I said, he's borrowing clearly from the Steve Kerr playbook, which by the way, David Griffin would borrow from that playbook. Again. Again, eight years later, when he was the general manager of the Cavs, when he was the one who brought a championship to that organization that never won anything, when he was the one that orchestrated all the moves to get LeBron help, and he was undervalued by his boss, Dan Gilbert, owner of the Cavs, and he said basically the same thing in June, all right, I'm done. A quote here, I mean, from Jake Fisher, truth teller, friend of the program, Griffin said, everything we did in Cleveland 
was so inorganic and unsustainable and frankly not fun. I was miserable. Literally the moment we won the championship, I knew I was going to leave. There is no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. Didn't David Griffin go to a vineyard? I believe so. Wasn't that his next endeavor? And Bob Myers started a podcast? Wow. These executive passion projects or something, huh? But now it gets even more interesting, right? Maze, reading in that article, does they mention anything about successor? You know, is it Chiv? Is it... Let's see here. With Myers' departure, Warriors owner Joe Lacob is expected to seek more prominent roles for his son... Kendall Lacob. Oh, sorry. Kirk Lacob. I said no spoilers. Damn it. An executive vice president of basketball operations and VP of basketball operations, Roman Dunleavy Jr. Oh, I'm the top one's getting. <laughs> so I want, if we can, to hit the rewind button again, all the way back to 2010. There's a young man who's attending Stanford University. He's getting ready to graduate. He wants to work in basketball. And so his father, who has become friendly with a general manager in the NBA, has kind of pitched him on this. And the general manager says, you know what? We'll get him an internship. And so that general manager goes to his assistant director of basketball ops and preps him for the new intern who's coming in. Who's that intern? Well, that general manager was Steve Kerr. That assistant director was Amino Hassan. Oh. <laughs> and that intern was Kirk Lacob. Your intern is about to be running the Warriors. Is that what you're telling me? And your roommate is now basically running the coaching staff <laughs> of the Miami Heat who are in the NBA Finals? Wow. But Kirk was never my intern because Steve Kerr left. And so the internship kind of fell through. And so Kirk never came. But Kirk's father, a year later, would purchase... The Golden State Warriors. Mm. He hired Bob Myers to be an assistant general manager to Larry Riley, who was Don Nelson's man, Hunter Grand, who was running the show. And he hired an intern named Kirk Lacob. Through the years, Kirk has moved up. He's worked hard. He's respected as a talent evaluator and a shrewd front office person. But all of this was written a long time ago. It was always going to be Kirk Lacob's job. It was just a matter of, what's that word Bob Myers used? Time. It's just time. So what does Bob Myers do now? What's it time for in Bob Myers' world? He's got his podcast. Are there any hints, Maze, in the Woj report about what Bob Myers is looking for or potentially what his next move is? Well, he's unsure of his future professional pathway, but should he someday decide to return to the team side... He's expected to be one of the most pursued executives in modern North American professional sports history. The most pursued executive. That sounds very fair and balanced, guys. And his blend of leadership, talent evaluation, and the respect he commands at every level of the industry, ownership, front office, coaches, players, and agents. I'm going to editorialize media <laughs> makes him a uniquely appealing part of a potential ownership group or front office. Like he has been doing. Wait a minute. Ownership groups. Oh, right, hold on. Let me do a quick perusal of the NBA landscape. And if you will indulge me, I'm going to yell out names of teams. And you guys tell me if you think they're for sale bucks. No. Celtics. No. Sixers. No. Cavs. No. Knicks. Never. Nets. 
No. Hawks? No. Heat? No. Bulls? Mm-mm. Raptors? No. Pacers? Mm-mm. Wizards? No. Magic? No. Pistons? No. Charlotte? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Got to be careful what I say oh. here. He's oh. very friendly to media here in Charlotte, so I got to. All right. Well, let's go to the West. Denver? No. Grizzlies? No. Kings? No. Suns? No. We know about that. Clippers? No. Warriors? That would be a hell of a story. Wow, that's a, that's succession <laughs> level writing right there. I'm just going to hit you with this. What if we run it all the way back? Do I even want to know what that means? We go reverse Viking. We pillage their village. Lakers? No. T-Wolves? No. Thunder? Nope. Pelicans? Nah. Mavericks? No. No. Jazz? Nope. Rockets? Nah. Shut Set up, up in business. business. Yeah. Spurs? No. Blazers? So two out of 30 teams might be available. Have I missed any? Well, I'm no betting man. LeBron James has let it be known that he would love that Vegas expansion team. Oh, and you know what he could use? One of the most pursued executives (laughs) in modern North American professional sports history on his side. Wait a minute. I don't know, Maze, because where did Bob Myers go to college, though? I believe he went to the University of California, Los Angeles campus. Hmm. UCLA guy. Where he played for the Bruins. Let me just throw this theory out there. What if there is a power vacuum in L.A.? Let's say LeBron James retires or goes to Cleveland with Bronny or New York, whatever it is. And then there's a power vacuum in L.A., UCLA guy, he can be closer to family. He doesn't have to hop on a private jet to go to the Las Vegas strip and go lead his team. He can just be in his backyard in LA. I'm going to tell you right now, one thing the bus family will not do is pay a man who they've extended through 25, 26, and then also pay someone else to take his job. Mm. That's not their way. They counting ducats over there. But I do see a way for him to be in L.A., the team that wears red, white, blue, and sometimes black is the L.A. Clippers. They also have someone in charge, Lawrence Frank, who's under contract. But unlike the Lakers, they've got all the money in the world. As we've pointed out before, if you take Steve Ballmer and his net worth, you add up the next 15 NBA owners' net worths, they're still not as rich as Steve Ballmer. This man... He's richer than half the league combined. Whereas the product on the court is governed by a salary cap, the product upstairs is not. They've got money to burn, but they might like Lawrence Frank. So I don't know. I mean, it's not like there's anyone who works for the Clippers who might have intimate working knowledge of Bob Myers, who might have the ear of ownership, who might be a Hall of Famer several times over. They don't have that, do they? Did you say Bob Myers might go west? Young man. (laughs) Are you trying to jerry-rig this, Tom, so that I say the name you want me to say? I don't know. I just, you know, want to stamp your watermark on this or a logo on this theory. (laughs) That would be Mr. Clutch of you, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, I'm no mountaineer, but I'm ready to climb this hill (laughs) to deliver this news. Wow. Seems like you're making yourself at home, lodging place, the Marriott. Or maybe a nicer Marriott, maybe the JW. Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) You like that one. (laughs) I did. 
I was confused at first. I said, courtyard? (laughs) (laughs) Autograph collection? (laughs) Where's Amit's favorite place in the whole world? It's the JW Marriott in LA. Can't beat it. Right across the street from everything. Not anymore. Not anymore from a certain organization, an LA organization. At some point, they're going to be moving. Down to Inglewood. And rebranding, trying to separate themselves and create their own organization. Not having to share the rent at crypto.com arena, not center. I mean, who is this man we keep alluding to? Jerry West. Mm. If you don't think that he's got an opportunity to get the prodigal son back home, and he's going to miss it. You haven't been paying attention. So Bob Myers, either going to hang it up for a year, continue the podcast. We probably can say he's not going to go to Charlotte or Portland, but watch out for the Clippers. Watch out for the Clippers. And don't forget the Jerry West son. Keep an eye on what he's going to do this summer, too. Where does he work? Director of basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, full circle. So the new thing, I feel like, I mean, Maze, this idea of making announcement without really making the announcement, hinting at retiring or or taking a year off. We don't really know what Bob Myers is going to do. It sounds awfully familiar to a strategy of a close friend of Draymond's, a colleague of Draymond at an agency of Clutch, LeBron James. LeBron James retired. I don't know if you guys knew this last week. Wait, what? Did he say, it's just time to retire? It's just time. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. He left an open-ended question of, uh, he doesn't know what he's going to do. It's remarkable the way that LeBron James, in the wake of a sweep, seems to find a way to distract from the sweep itself. There is the broom. He's getting broomed off stage. And meanwhile, he points to another direction and says, oh, look over here. There's something else over here. Go pay attention to that, not this broom that is sweeping me off the stage. Maze, have you ever seen anything like this before? Can you think of a player who got swept at high-profile series and then distracts at the press conference immediately afterwards? I was reaching for a cross-sports comparison. I was thinking this is controlling the narrative a la Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Or succession. Please. I haven't seen the episode. Can you stop with the references? Okay. What I was referencing myself is remember when the Warriors, your Golden State Warriors, won the 2018 NBA Finals sweeping the Cleveland Cavaliers? Mm. LeBron James takes to the stage. And as everyone was going to dissect another sweep, what did LeBron do? Or should I say, what did he wear at the press conference? Oh, is this the shorts in the briefcase? Storming out? He's wearing a cast on his hand. Oh, gotcha. He said he basically broke his hand after game one. They lost the game in the closing seconds there because of a brain fart by J.R. Smith, his guy. And after the NBA finals were done, after game four, the sweep, LeBron James shows up with a cast on his hand. Point is, LeBron's really good at distracting in the aftermath of a sweep. So keep your third eye open. When these powerful people are making you change the conversation, change the narrative, Golden State Warriors had a really bad season, a really bad year from the start. Bob Myers, right before the NBA Finals, changes the conversation. Same with LeBron James. It's quite a playbook. A lot of truth being told right now on this program, but nothing compared to what is going to happen in our next segment. We're going to talk to someone, a shadowy figure, 
we discovered the referee burner from Eric Lewis, the alleged referee burner coming up next. Our truth teller. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You all think I'm late. Well, I'm not late. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause, even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. There's no better way to overpower a trickle of doubt than with a flood of naked truth. But the complexity and the gray lie not in the truth. But what you do with the truth once you have it. What is true and right is true and right for all. You and I both know that that's just not the truth. You can't handle the truth! It's too messy. Keeps them up nice. I'm here because in the end, the truth is worth the risk. Speak a little truth and people lose their minds. I'm a grown man, you can tell me the truth. Why is it people who want the truth never believe it when they hear it? So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do something really outrageous. I'm gonna tell the truth. All right, so Mikey Weilin on Twitter. I'm just going to call you that because yep. I prefer to have some anonymity here. It makes you more intriguing as a character. <laughs> Keep the government name off the books, man. <laughs> right. Did you think that your work would be featured as we head into the NBA Finals? Oh, uh, man. 2023, you'd be at the center of one of the biggest stories in the league? No, no. But once I realized who it was and what it was, I was like, this might blow up. What was the thing that like set off your alarms? Like, wait a second. He just kept replying to me. The initial conversation wasn't really even about like Eric Lewis. After like the third reply, I'm like, why is this dude like talking about Eric Lewis like this? This is kind of weird. Like it's like midnight. And I'm like, what is going on? Let me just click this profile real quick. And I was like, okay. You're not even tweeting about Eric Lewis, who's a no. longtime NBA official to give some background here. He's one of the top NBA officials who Lakers fans know very well because midseason, there was a big missed call at the end of the Lakers Celtics game in which Jason Tatum fouled LeBron James on a last second layup. And Eric Lewis, the crew chief, confessed after the game, just like, hey, yeah, we blew the call. We missed the call. Remember 
LeBron out on the floor. He went crazy. <laughs> it's the Patrick Beverly with the camera game, right? Yeah, yeah, with the camera. Some fan bases know Eric Lewis, in particular the Lakers. So you're tweeting about referee stats? What are you doing on a on a Friday night? Take me back. <laughs> it was one of those nights, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, the game would, had come on. We were tweeting about, like, rep stats because that's, like, the new thing. You know, you just go see how a team's done with this rep. It's like they're one of the players now. I had sent that tweet, like, earlier in the day. And the Heat ended up winning the game, I believe. Yeah, because they went up like 2-0. Mm-hmm. And somebody replied thinking that I was a Celtics fan saying, like, you like Eric Lewis. Like, you break up with Eric Lewis is this. I was like, bro, I'm not even a Celtics fan. <laughs> and I, like, replied back with the Eric Lewis stats. The conversation was kind of over. And then he jumped in and replied to something from, like, hours before, right after the game ended. So he hopped online and was like, all right, what are they saying about me now? When you saw the profile, what did you see? First, you know, it's Cutliff Blair. C-U is a two T's L-I-F-F Blair. Random account. And at first, I see it and I'm thinking, okay, he's just defending referees. You know, I feel him. It's cool. And I replied back. The record with the Celtics overall is like 54 and 29. I gave him like the real numbers. And then he starts replying back, going against that. Well, you don't know about who they were playing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know which games they were. Like, that's fair. Kind of trying to end the conversation, but not really. Just, you know, just going back and forth with him. Right. And the more he went on, the more I was like, yo, he's really going hard for Eric Lewis right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I was trying to let him know, like, hey, man, that was just an example. It's like a stray. Yeah. That is funny because if it was just someone who was like some patron saint of refs or whatever. Right. He would have mixed up his focus, right? He would have been like, well, you got this wrong. You got that wrong. But he kept harping on Eric Lewis, huh? (laughs) Yeah. He was like, so Eric Lewis repped 80 games in the past two years. And I was like, why is he on this so hard? And I just clicked the profile, like, what is this profile? I looked, he had zero tweets, all replies. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. Looking at the replies, Eric Lewis, Eric Lewis, Eric Lewis, Eric. I was like, ah, shit, okay. Oh, man. My first thought was, this is definitely a burner. I didn't think it was him. I thought it was a ref, Mm -hmm. but not particularly Eric Lewis. So I just kept going through it. And I'm like, who who the hell does he follow? Oh, shit, he follows ref accounts. Okay. And George Mason women's basketball. I was like, this is random. Yeah. Random as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what the hell account is this? He's following six people or five people. Yeah. The NBA official account, the NBA account, the NBA referee analytics account. And then there's one that is nothing to do with referees or the NBA. It's nothing. The George Mason women's college basketball Twitter. Dog. You know, it wasn't like like UConn women's or like something. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people follow that. It's so goddamn <laughs> niche. Yeah, like it's very specific. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is somebody's burner. This is somebody who doesn't want to be found. So I started looking into like ties. Google like Eric Lewis, George Mason, and it popped right up. Vanessa Blair Lewis. And I was like, oh, there's no way. This is somebody pretending to be Eric Lewis. Like, there's no way it's this damn obvious. So I took a little time, maybe like 20 minutes, and I'm looking through every tweet, and it goes back far. It's going back to, like, 2018, like, 2020, when he's talking about, like, other things, regular life things. And I'm like, oh, so he had this account and was just using it, and now he hopped back online to use it as a burner. He was using it to stay up on George Mason women's basketball news. Yeah, he was doing solid, solid husband work, man. He's solid husband, you know, supporting the wife. He's a normal guy. I'm like, yo, this is fire. And then right at that time with that no call was when he got active again. So it made sense. Oh, oh 
really? Look at that. His account was inactive, not really tweeting very much. And then January 30th, the sleepless nights tweet from the NBA referee association. The tipping point. He came right back. It, it just all started making sense. When you're reading these tweets, is there anything in the tweets that tipped you off that, oh, this is definitely Eric Lewis? Or was it every time his name kept popping up, he would jump in and defend his honor? Like, was there anything nefarious going on in these tweets? Oh. This is going to be a problem. No, actually, like, this is like the first burner account that I would say, like, would make people like you more. Mm. He's like a regular guy defending himself going hard for his family. I'm like, yo, this dude's solid. That's why I told him in one of the tweets, I was like, bro, just live it. Like, you're a pioneer, man. <laughs> you're a pioneer. <laughs> you're not doing anything bad. It's kind of cool. Like, he makes him like him more. So you're looking at this, Mikey, and you're like, is there anything else I can do to verify this? Oh, uh, yeah. You have those dots that you're connecting. Are there any other dots that you're like, I, mean, I just need to verify, double check. Right. In that moment, I was getting ready to like, just call him out. But I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Not tonight. I was going to sleep on it. The next day I get up and I'm re-looking at it like, was that a dream? Like, did I really get tweeted by a fucking burner <laughs> account from Eric Lewis? So then I started looking like at the name on Google. I'm like, okay, Cutliff Blair. I don't I don't see anything that ties Cutliff to him. I'm trying to find more ties to what makes more sense. So I'm searching the ad. I'm not finding anything. I go to Instagram. I'm like, maybe Instagram. I type the name in. Cutliff Blair. One account pops up. Okay. Click the account. <laughs> no picture. Account created in 2018. Username E Lewis MK. Okay. Wow. Damn. She was trying to get active on, on social media at one point and just <laughs> left these <laughs> accounts just barren. Like, oh, wow. So I'm like, okay, I know that there's a trick you can do with Instagram. You can go to hit forgot password, type in the username, and it's going to tell you that it sent an email to the email. But it won't show you the whole email. It'll just show you like a little bit of it blanked out. Yeah. What's the stars? This is serious detective work, man. <laughs> yeah. I had to be sure. So I do that. Sure enough, E star, 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 MK at AOL.com pops up. And I'm like, yep, it's him. Damn. Such a basic email. Yeah. That's right in line for somebody around that age that's, you know, has an AOL account. The first email, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's had that email for a while. Got one of them CDs that says 53 hours. <laughs> yeah, he got that dial up, that, that old, yeah, he's got that email. <laughs> Mikey, so you're sitting on this. You, at this point, you still haven't done anything with it? No, I've done nothing with it. Take me inside your emotion. When okay. You pull this trick. You've already built what I would call beyond a reasonable doubt evidence. Right. But you said, let me just make sure, sure. And you you pulled this email recovery, password recovery trick, and it comes back, E. Lewis, dash, 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 whatever. What emotion goes through you at that point? Shit. Like, I'm texting my boys. I'm, like, dying laughing because I'm like, bro, he's really online. Like, he's going hard. Like, he's like one of us. It's funny as hell to me. <laughs> but, like, I couldn't just put it out there. So, of course, I'm, I'm just grabbing screenshots of everything that I'm finding. Just in case... Because also the night before when I was when I was tweeting him, I kind of threw something out there that maybe he would pick up on. Like I try to give him a chance to maybe delete the account. Yeah, I let him know like I don't think that Eric Lewis is a bad ref. I said I'm just finding things that are a little funny. It was vague, but I thought maybe he would. I don't know. Get close to home. Yeah, would feel like the heat coming on. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I kind of gave him a chance before I told anybody. My initial plan was I was going to, I typed up this long thread with all the screenshots and everything, and I was going to like drop it the next time he was working the game. But I kept thinking, I was like, this is not for me to do. I don't really want this one. There's people who could do this better than me. Damn. 
You know what I mean? So I reached out to the homies over there, Jenkins and Jones. Yeah. I just slid them the info to see what they thought, too. I needed another second opinion. They were like, this is wild. They agreed right away. It was funny as hell. So they went on. They dropped it like a week later, almost. Like, it wasn't even like a right away thing. Quick little segment. Everybody laughing. Move on. And then that's when they, the next day. It took off after that. It just went crazy. Yeah. So after it hits Twitter, I think it was last Thursday. Last Thursday. I remember I was just sitting in my, my office and I saw it come across my timeline and I was like, oh man, if this is truly Eric Lewis's burner, what happens now? Right. Is this going to be deleted or is that a tell? Obviously, if it's not a burner and this is all just one big mix up, there's nothing to hide. Right. You wouldn't delete your Twitter. You wouldn't delete your socials within an hour of it going public. Boom. Gone. Right on schedule. Let me ask you this, Mikey. When you see the news that the NBA is opening an investigation on this, what is the emotion that comes over you? Is it like, man, I made this shit happen, basically? Or do you feel bad? How do you feel in that moment? I hope they're just looking to make sure he wasn't saying anything crazy. Right. Like, I hope it's not like a job on the line kind of thing. Yeah. It doesn't feel like he did anything to where now he shouldn't be a referee. It makes him more human. You know what I mean? It's just wild to me, man. I just can't imagine. It's wild. Like you said, that they're just like us. <laughs> Arguing with strangers. Yeah, normally they're on the court, you know, very stoic, having to ignore everything. He gets to go home and have a little glass of wine or something and just argue with that's funny as shit, man. Like, yo, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so then the Twitter account deactivates for a little bit. And did you say at that point, oh, wrong move there? Yes. If you were Team Eric Lewis here, what would you do? Oh, man, you just get online and you deny, deny, deny. <laughs> right away, you just answer. You just, I'm not Eric Lewis. Stay active. You pass the account to somebody so they can tweet while you work. Yeah, there you go. You got to find a way to audible. But as we can tell, he still has the AOL account. You know, he didn't really know how to work the burner. You know, he's not part of the internet uh, generation. So another instance of tech savviness coming to bite someone in the ass. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you hate to see it. He comes back on though, right? He came back? He came back. I missed this part. Hold on. <laughs> he came back? <laughs> oh, man. It's up. No. He left it up. <laughs> no, come on. All right. I mean, go to Cutliff Blair on Twitter right now. Uh-huh. Okay. Now go to tweets and replies. His very last reply, man. So Pablo Escobarner was posting videos of his replies. And yes, Blair Cutliff chimed in. This is Mark Lewis. <laughs> right family, older brother. I'm sorry that I put E in this situation, but this ain't Watergate. <laughs> You're right. The account will be coming down. Twitter should not be this vindictive. Sorry to inconvenience you. That was probably the funniest one that he put out right there. Dog. This is Mark. With caps. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh my God, this is Mark. <laughs> Yo, did y'all see what... Pablo Escobarder replied. He said, just lean into it, bro. No shame. Lean into it, bro. Like, yeah, honestly, we're not mad. But like, it hasn't come down either. I'm pretty sure somebody told him to stop. <laughs> probably Mark. Yeah, Mark. Don't throw my name under the bus. Mark was probably like, yo, it's over, man. Were you able to confirm if there's a Mark? I didn't. I didn't even look it up, honestly. I mean, there would have to be. If there was no Mark, <laughs> that'd be even better. Then we'd all be the Marks. Yeah. <laughs> I want there to be no Mark Lewis so badly. That would be such, <laughs> such a great development in this story. Eric's an only child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. The NBA is investigating this and going like, all right, let's get Mark on the phone. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
He doesn't have any brothers. He doesn't have an older brother. That would be even funnier. Nah, man. You get Mark on the phone, and then Eric just be like, this is Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Eric, I I can see you, man. It's on FaceTime. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm reading his bio right now, trying to see, just to give you all some background on Eric Lewis. Favorite TV show, Martin. Favorite movie, Which Way Is Up. Favorite meal, lasagna. Hidden talent, drawing. accounts. See, normal guys, man. Yeah, I'm not having a lot of success finding Mark Lewis on the internet. So, <laughs> this is curious. The plot thickens. Yo, I found my favorite one. I'm sorry, man. The NBA official refs tweeted out before Lakers Nuggets. Yo, the refs tonight: Zach Zarba, Eric Lewis, and Ben Taylor. And some dude quote tweeted and said, "I'll beat the f- out of Eric Lewis, man." <laughs> Blair Cutliffe responds. Man, that dude from Daytona, that's the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he knows a little bit too much about Eric Lewis, man. (laughs) Like they say, if this wasn't Eric or Mark Lewis, we would need to try to find like a bodyguard for them because somebody is way too involved. So LeBron's tweeting it, Mikey. Is this Eric Lewis stuff real? And Patrick Beverly's getting in on it. One of the crazier moments, you know what? I feel like we got to go back into the archives now this summer. When the, when the summer comes through, you've inspired us to go through and do the Brian Colangelo burner, relive the Brian Colangelo burner story. Damn, what a time that was, man. Oh man. This doesn't reach that level, but it's not like we haven't been down this road before where someone in the NBA has a burner account and is in hot water over it. So We got to do that this summer, Mikey. Yeah, he was really going crazy. (laughs) Okay. The Ormond Beach Observer, an article from June 23rd, 2022. Seabreeze High School's artistic football coach, Mark Lewis. Mm, That's not a mark. He also is a digital artist and owner of M. Lewis Motorsports Art. Daytona. Daytona. That's where it all comes down to. Okay. He is real, after all. He's real. He's out there. Are we sure that's not a burner also? (laughs) (laughs) Hastily created. (laughs) Old backstory. He's a football coach. (laughs) Except we have an important divide here. Uh M. Lewis Motorsports email is dayt500lewis at hotmail.com oh man oh <laughs> the only one older and it would track yeah oh they're definitely brothers <laughs> they are 100 brothers The doc is out. The nurse is in. Oh, yeah. That's right. Medical jargon for you there. Scalpel. Nick Nurse hired as head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. We've been telling you on this show to keep your third eye open about Daryl Morey and the connection with the Houston Rockets and creating this James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House reunion over there from all of the fellas that he used to work with in Houston. And Mike D'Antoni might be coming aboard, too. 
And there's something that I don't think we were ready to reveal at that point, which is there's another thing afoot here. Everyone says that this is the sign that the Houston East experiment is over. I submit to you that all that's happened is we're starting the Rio Grande Valley East experiment. Mm. Now, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Daryl Morey and Nick Nurse have a connection from deep in the past. When Nick Nurse was the head coach of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, the G League affiliate of the Houston Rockets, and when Nick Nurse was there, he paced and spaced his way to a G League championship. His first professional title in North America came as a head coach of Daryl Morey's G League affiliate, minor league affiliate. And so here we are, full circle. We're bringing the band back together again. Tom, by the way, cousin Greg gets it all. He wins. (laughs) And I lose. 